Welcome to Kesset. Uh, if you're brand new, my name is Danny. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm going to be sharing with you. I want to welcome everybody online. I want to thank you for tuning into this series and being a part of today. I also want to let you know that I preach best in the rain, and so today I'm just really going to bring it because it, it is pouring outside. Uh, and, uh, and I just think the Holy Spirit just works really well in the midst of his greatest blessing to the earth, which, of course, is rain. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah, that's what <laughs> Bunch of you. Oh, I heard a boo. We're going to start the sermon off with a boo? All right, that's fine. That's fine. Um, no, for real, thank you for, uh, thanks for coming to church. Uh, it's it's uh, kind of a, a messy thing to be a part of these days. And, and I think that's why this series is having such an impact. Because we're talking about being part of something with people who are so very different than us. And yet all of us are kind of after the same thing, which is this connection to a God who, of course, brings both sun and rain. But whatever you like, he's a part of all of those spaces. And this series, um, if I'm just being honest, it has uh, brought with it some tension. It has brought with it some really interesting conversations. It has brought with it um, some uh, palpable disagreement. And it has brought with it uh, some really wonderful unifying I love. So I want to give you an, a kind of a little extended, uh, kind of an extended definition of what the series is about. This series is about learning to acknowledge, appreciate, and even celebrate the differences of those around us. So here's the thing. Today we're going to jump into the uh, deep end of the church culture pool because what I have to do, if I'm going to teach this from an authentic position, is put my money where my mouth is and acknowledge and appreciate even celebrate many of the folks who call Kesa their church home who have become uncomfortable with this discussion. And I, I love it because they have been cordial, they have been honest, but they have also brought their whole selves to the table. And so today I want to, uh, to invite all that. So if inside this series you've been like, wait a minute, what, what exactly is he saying? Well, hold on a second. Where does that line of thinking end up at? Wait a second, I'm supposed to celebrate everybody's differences? Aren't there some differences that are, that are so sinful we shouldn't celebrate? And of course, all that is true. But it's difficult to discuss, especially from this uh, pulpit up here. And so what I want to recognize is that in a room like this, uh, I'm going to do my best to try to get across uh, where I'm at, where I think the church is at, and also uh, what I think God is doing inside his word. And my only hope is that you bring your whole self to the discussion. All of it. Don't hold back. Don't, don't be impressed. Don't be angered. Don't be frustrated. Just bring your whole self, all your thoughts, everything that you brought with you. And we'll see what the Holy Spirit wants to do with it. Because he ultimately is uh, in charge of all this. He's the one that's moving inside your heart. He's the one that's challenging and prompting and encouraging. And I think he's even the one who uh, sometimes likes to work within the tension. Uh, let me address a few of the more common questions in a series like this. These are some questions that I've actually got, so I want to answer them today the very best I can. First, how far does celebrating someone else's differences go? The answer is, thankfully, a very long way. A really, really long way. Now, does that mean there's not things that eventually move into sin, move into so far away from God's plan 
that, uh, that, that we, of course, should be able to stand firm on his word, of course. But I'm not talking about those things in this series. I'm talking about celebrating the differences in each other's lives that we don't understand, but that aren't necessarily uh, rebelling against God. Things like too much bass. Or, as one gentleman lovingly said, unnecessary lights during the intro bumper video. The lights are 100% unnecessary, by the way. We don't need them. He's absolutely right. We did it because we like it. And some people don't like it, and that's okay, and we can celebrate both of those differences. But a very long way is how, uh, is how far we get to go with celebrating each other's differences. Here's another one. When are we going to talk about the differences that shouldn't be celebrated? I got this one like halfway through the sermon on week one. I'm pretty sure it's about halfway. I, I'm pretty sure when I looked at the email stamp, I was like, I think I was preaching Thursday at that exact time. It was quick. The answer is today. Today I'm going to give you some examples of things that we should not celebrate. So be at ease because you will, have, uh, you will have that. How about this? Does this mean that we just walk around accepting everything everyone does? No, of course not. We do not walk around celebrating everything everyone does. We walk around and celebrate the differences in people's lives that we don't understand because that's okay. How about this one? This was the final one, the, the most common one probably. Where is the line? Mmm, mmm. Let's just all take a minute and sip our water, shall we? <laughs> I wanted to think really carefully about this one. And I started thinking about, a, I, I shared with you a couple weeks ago about my incredible, lustrous uh, construction career that I had for about three or four years. Uh, I was in and out of all different kinds of construction trades before I got into ministry. And uh, I remember one time, I, for like, it was like two weeks, they put me as a rigger uh, working with the guy up in the crane in downtown Portland building the foundation uh, columns for one of the big buildings that ended up going down there. And I was amazed at the detail this guy could run uh, his boom and his hook at. And I would be down there and I would just hook things to it as he told me on the radio. But I was also surprised at some of the things he couldn't do. And I think sometimes, um, especially pastors, what we, what we forget we're doing up here is running a crane. And we're, we're lifting really, really heavy things and really, really big topics. And we're often talking to rooms, and not just this room, but the next room or the, or, or the next room. And we're often, our stuff is all recorded. So sometimes we're on a road trip with somebody, and we don't even know it. And they're listening to this voice through their radio two years from when it was originally preached. And I think what they think they're doing is not really what they're doing. Our job is to run that crane. But I think sometimes we want to do the surgical work, the really, like, the... The, the arterial work. We want to get inside people's hearts and, and really, really get in there and help affect change without realizing that's the only thing the Holy Spirit alone can do. We can't do that. But we just want to make sure that people understand how much we love them and how much God loves them and how much help he wants to offer them. And so we take our powerful pulpit boom and we duct tape a scalpel to the bottom of it and we just slice through people's souls every single week trying to help them. You want me to define for you where the line is under the lights on stage recorded? It's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. One, because I love this job. Two, because I've been doing this for 24 years. And I'm just going to be honest, I am a whole lot smarter than that. 
Three, the Holy Spirit hasn't built me to do that, nor has he built, in my opinion, anybody to stand under lights and do that kind of conversational work. Do you want to know where the line is? It's at the foot of the cross. That's where the line is. That's how far I'm willing to go and in how much detail I'm willing to bring for the Holy Spirit to do the thing that only he can do in your life or through a person that you go to coffee with or through maybe even a conversation we have one-on-one. But I am not going to stand up here in the midst of a series about who likes black or red licorice and define all the social lines around which is uh, too far and which fits just right. Which, by the way, would completely change if I was preaching this sermon in the Midwest. Whole other sermon with a whole other set of lines and a whole other group of people. Or the East Coast. Or Europe. Or Africa. And so on. This book does heavy, heavy work. And the Holy Spirit uses this book to bring incredible change in our lives. But I think sometimes what we want is somebody that we can brand to make our person who does all of the surgical work for us. And so what we really want to do is team up so that we can team out everybody who doesn't fit so we can feel better about where we belong. It's just not going to happen. So just chill. Or if you'd like to email me, you can do that as well which right about now is when I should be getting some of those. I, recently, I, I forgot to turn the Bluetooth off on my, uh, or the Wi-Fi off on my iPad, and I started getting emails during the sermon from people. Very distracting, by the way. Especially when they're not encouraging, and I'm just clearing emails while I'm trying to keep going. They're like, I did not like this message. I'm like, I wasn't even done yet. <laughs> In truth, this is not easy stuff to wrestle with. It's not. But we are built to do it. And wrestle we must. To do this well, to wrestle inside this space, and because I feel like for some this will be a bit of a climb, I'd like to offer you a theological rope to help you up the side of the mountain. And that theological rope I'm going to call discord. Discord, by definition, is a lack of agreement or harmony as between persons, things, or ideas. It's a disunity. That's what it is. Here's the first part of the theology I want to offer you, and then I'm going to unpack this for the rest of the message. First part, every person here lives in discord with God. Yeah, you thought I was going a different direction, didn't you? Mm -mm. No, no, this is going to be about you and I and the Holy Spirit today. Now, you're going to try and make this about your neighbor. You're going to continue over and over, as a matter of fact, to try and make this about your neighbor. Because this sort of focus, and I'm, I'm as well, being, I'm participating in this, can get really uncomfortable. But I'm going to do the best I can to continue to turn your face back to the Holy Spirit and the way that you approach following Jesus. This goes for me as well. The first thing you need to know is that every single person in this room lives in discord with God. As a matter of fact, the very idea of Christ going to the cross is because of this truth. He did it because of this truth. Every person I've ever had the privilege of, 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 of walking to Jesus, every one of them knew when they finally decided to commit their lives to Christ that they needed saving, meaning that they were drowning, if you will that they threw up a hand above the turbulent waves of their life and that Jesus was the only one who could pull them up. Every single person in this room lives in discord with God. That is why Christ and the cross are so necessary. Because we all live 
in discord with him. Here's your entry-level list of things that should not be celebrated. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Ready? Apply the ones that work well for you. (laughs) Sorry, this is uh, coming across much more strong than I thought it would, but apparently that uh, this is what's needing to happen in this room right now for my heart and yours. Here they are. Ready? Haughty eyes. Should we just stop right there? Should we just move on to other things? Because we DQ'd about half the room right now. How about a lying tongue? Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among his brothers. Anyone here not wrestle with at least a few of these items? You might think, ah, man, I'm, I'm transforming, though. I'm a Christian. I, I mean, I put all these things behind me. Well, you're a liar, so that's one thing right there that, that for sure... You just, so you're welcome. And now your eyes are haughty because you're frustrated I called you a liar from stage. That's fine. It'll be all right. Paul himself leans into this truth, by the way. Listen to how he describes himself, 1 Timothy 1.15. He says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. This is Paul, formerly known as Saul, who wrote a massive part of the Bible that we still study so that we can learn how to be better transforming followers of Jesus. And here's what, he, here's what he's saying right here, which is that, hey, I'm always going to wrestle with this stuff. That's why the work of the cross is so important in my life. I am always going to wrestle with these things. This will become a significant part of Paul's entire ministry. Because acknowledging this about himself would then give him an incredible heart for those who then would have discord among themselves, him, and even with God. He like carried this into every room he went in. That there was discord between him and God and that the power of Christ is constantly healing and renewing and restoring and remaking that bond between him and Jesus. But he never was like, Oh, I'm inoculated now from sin due to Jesus, and I'm going to walk around and judge everybody else with my haughty eyes and lying tongues. He just didn't do that. He's like, no, I wrestle and constantly wrestle with this flesh that I carry all the time. This goes and adds on to our second part of the theology by recognizing that I, along with every person I have or ever will meet, lives in discord with God. I can better live with a proper perspective around how I should treat those in discord with me. Because if everything is looking at life through the lens of how Jesus looks at you, oh man, are you going to become a loving individual with people who rebel your friendship, or rebel your love, or rebel your acceptance, or rebel your worldview, or rebel, or rebel, or rebel, because you're constantly, I am constantly rebelling against God and the things he asked me to do. But the work of Christ overcomes that, and I accept that, and then I can walk into spaces and hold spaces with people who 
not only rebel against how the creator is or how the creator made them, but also rebel against me personally. And then I am not offended. I am actually sitting in that space like God sits in that space with me. Suddenly I have eyes to love and ears to hear and hands to hold. Suddenly I'm like Jesus. Jesus teaches about this very thing. I'd love for you to allow this passage to be personal. Again, I just want to real quick remind you this is not about your neighbor or your spouse. <laughs> Some of you were like, oh, he said neighbor, but I thought it was for sure for my wife at least. Nope, or her. This is, this is for you and I. Luke 18, 9 through 12, Jesus is teaching. And he wants people to understand how God sees the world and the children within it. It says this in verse 9, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. I want to be very careful here that I, that I unpack these two men. The tax collector was a man who was betraying his entire societal system. He was a Jewish man who went to work for the great oppressor, the Roman Empire, and he would press the Jewish people to pull taxes to fund the oppression. There was not a lower, more distant worldview than a tax collector. You could not be more disgusting, more against the ways of, of the, the tabernacle system. There is no farther from God than you could be than a Jewish tax collector. None. No other lifestyle at this time is further from God. And the other one, of course, is a Pharisee. This is a man who knew scripture. This is a man who observed customs. This is a man who was constantly measured by his societal system and passing with A plus after A plus after A plus. He did every single thing right. And these two men went to the temple Both to pray, and this is what they said. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. <laughs> I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Now, something important about this culture at this time is that every Jewish man is obligated to recite daily a three-blessing prayer like this one. These were meant to express gratitudes for one's blessing and one's station in life. These prayers were so important at this time that they would gradually become part of the preliminary prayers in the daily morning church services. But this priest's prayer has been altered based on what he was noticing around him. And the fact that his own personal harmony was being projected onto the one who stood far off and he knew why. Because that's a disgusting human being of a lifestyle I don't approve. Luckily, I have it all figured out. One little thing Joe mentioned last week, uh, culturally speaking, that this prayer that has been altered actually usually went like this during this time. God, thank you that I am a Jew and not a Gentile. God, thank you that I am free and not a slave. 
God, thank you that I am a man and not a woman. It's a real encouraging prayer. I don't know why we still don't have this as part of our ritual system. <laughs> it just goes to show that, that sometimes churches get it wrong. Sometimes we have things that are part of our system. We should probably evaluate and ask, why do we do this? Well, this man clearly thought the same. And so he took that ritualistic prayer and he morphed it into something a little more present. That adjusted and avoided the tax collector. I like this quote, that this culture, not totally unlike our very own, had fallen to a place that even their prayers exemplified a desire to be in discord with those around them. As a matter of fact, this prayer pushed this idea even further and said that discord with those around me actually bring me into accord with the God who made me. And the further discord I can have with people of opposite lifestyles or opposite, uh, you know, sin issues, really. Let, can we just be honest just for a second? This is just for this recording at 9 o'clock. We're not really talking about opposite lifestyles. We're talking about opposite sin issues. If, for instance, uh, pride was looked at as one of the most disgusting sins that anyone could... Oh, wait, it is. Oh, wait, I forgot it is. But it's a lot harder to see. It's harder to see a prideful lifestyle on the outside. And so we will look within our hearts, usually with haughty eyes, at somebody who clearly has a lifestyle outside of the system of God physically, but internally no one can tell that we're judging them. Only God can in our prayers. Oh, wait, a lot like the tax collector myself into a circle here. We struggle with people who wrestle with things that are different than us. We don't often struggle with people who wrestle with things that are more righteous than us, though. I never hear anybody complain about that. I never hear anybody be like, oh, watch so-and-so pray, and I could tell their heart was full of humility, and they were lifting up somebody, and they wanted no credit, and they didn't want to post about it. They just, like, I'm so bothered that I can't do that. That's never an email I get, ever. I've never got an email complaining about something else beautiful about someone else's life. Not one single one in coming up on 25 years, asking how do I become more like. It's always, did you notice this? And it's always something different than the person sending the email actually wrestles with. But as we know, Christ came to offer a new way of seeing the world, a holistic way, a, a symphonic way, a way of harmony. And he sees everybody's issues. By the way, the Apostle Paul was so disgusted by that earlier prayer, the one that said, thank God I'm a Jew and not a Gentile, that I'm free and not a slave, that I'm a man and not a woman, that he coined a verse for it. I don't know if you realize that. Galatians 3.28, when he's preaching about how Christ has come to introduce who he is to the world, and he says this phrase, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Hmm. It's weird, it, like Paul doesn't fit inside his own culture. As he's reminding people that the very systems they're using to outcast others and set themselves apart is actually setting themselves apart further and further from God. But if we're honest, this is just how it's been done. This is how we keep things safe and sterile. But if we really stop and self-evaluate, 
I believe that we will find that much of this old way, much of this safekeeping, much of this desire to, to remove anything that is different from us arises whenever someone shows up with what appears to be a discorded position within our lives. We can generally do it when it's out in the public or it's on the news pretty well. It's when they actually show up and start working next to us or become friends of our children or start going to our churches. Mm, this is my safe place. By the way, this is not supposed to be like a very safe place. This is supposed to be a, a place for the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you've realized this, but the Holy Spirit does all kinds of things that feel initially unsafe. Like all the time. Like it's sort of his, his deal. It's kind of his vibe. <laughs> like it's sort of the space that he enjoys holding. And it doesn't matter how practiced you are at this. If you don't realize that your life and mine live in constant discord with God, then you will, like I have many times, often fall into a place where you forget that. And you start calling out disharmony where it doesn't exist. I was recently with a friend at a cafe, and it took a while for us to get seated, so I was standing at the door. And this wasn't a very big cafe. It's one of my favorites, but it's small, and, and I understand kind of the... The, 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 how, the, how it works inside the cafe. You show up and you wait and you put your name on a list and you wait and you just wait until, you know, there's a table. And so my friend and I were talking and uh, all of a sudden I saw a gentleman get served right in the middle of the cafe. He had his hot coffee. He had his omelet. He had some sort of side. And I just noticed that, okay, they served him. So that's not a table we're going to get, right? I'm just kind of waiting, trying to evaluate when we're going to get this table. And about five minutes after he got his food, he stood up really loud enough that the chair made noise. And my friend and I looked and so did about half this restaurant. And then he looked around and then he just started barreling toward the door of which I was standing in front of. And so I was going to open the door, but then I realized he is making a run for it. And he's in his 60s. I thought Dining Dash was something we just did in high school. Apparently not. So I did the righteous thing. And I moved out of his way, but I did not open that door. <laughs> because safety officer Danny is on the prowl, I guess. I did not open that door. And it didn't matter. He just shoved the door open and he took about four steps out into the street and he spit his food all over the sidewalk. Yeah, disrespect. And I was like, oh, oh. I looked around and three, other, three or four other patrons kind of looked at me and I was like, can you believe this? I looked at my friend and they were like, what is going on? And he went out to his car and he opened the door and then he spit some more food and he shut the door. And I was like, well, maybe he's just taking a call. Because <laughs> I hope best for humankind. That's the way that I view the world. <laughs> I didn't think that. I thought this man's making a run for it. And he drove his car up real fast, backed it up, and took off. And I stood there like appalled. I have never seen a 60-something-year-old Dining Dash. And I looked back over, and his coffee sat steaming, and he had about four bites out of his omelet. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And the restaurant just kind of hummed along. And I thought, wow, they're so busy here, they didn't even notice. I'm going to tell somebody. <laughs> So I waited till I got my seat, and I watched them clear his table. They did kind of look around a little bit, but then they just cleared his table. Someone else sat there. And the waitress came, and she took our order. And then uh, about halfway through the meal, I just couldn't stand it anymore. I needed to do the righteous right thing. And I said, excuse me. I said, I don't know if you noticed or not, but the gentleman who was at that small table a little while ago, um, 
he left without paying. And she goes, what? And I said, there was a gentleman there, and he got up, and he stumbled out into the street. I told the whole story. Beautiful oration, like I described everything. And she just kept looking at me. I could tell my story wasn't connected, and I was like, and then he pulled off. <laughs> and she looks at me. It's a true story. This happened to me last week. This is last week. And she goes, oh, honey. And I knew I was in trouble right then. <laughs> I knew it right then. She goes, oh, honey, that's Steve. And Steve's been coming here for years and years. And sometimes Steve forgets to take his medication and the food gets sick and, and Steve's got to go home. But he'll be in tomorrow and he'll pay for the meal. See, I thought my perspective was the perspective, that I was the one with the harmony insight, that I was the one who understood. But the reality is I'm fairly new to this cafe, unlike most everybody else there, and certainly the staff. And what they all knew that I didn't know is that that happens to Steve once a month or so, and that's just what it means for him to be part of the community, and they are just fine with that there. But we, as Christians, that's what I think we do to people. We see the spitting and the barreling and the red face, and we think, sin! And with haughty eyes and a deceptive tongue, we speak to the world, can't you believe this person who's left without paying their due? But Steve found something that not a lot of people have found. He found a community where he could be his full self, and in the midst of his weakness, he could be accepted and even protected. Now, does that mean everybody in the room should be getting up and spitting food and leaving without pain? Does that mean suddenly that, well, we're accepting all kinds of Steves, and what if we end up with a church full of Steves? What's going to happen? Are we going to put plastic down on the carpet so everybody can spit their food out all the time? I mean, Pastor Danny, how far does it go? Where's the line? It's absurd. But it's so true. And Jesus is like, invite the Steves. And we're like, well, dude, I don't know. I don't know. I got friends and stuff, and I've never spit out my food afterwards. This is what Jesus is doing next in a beautiful, beautiful way. He continues the passage highlighting a Steve. He says the tax collector, here's insight to his heart, was standing far off, wasn't even close to the holy space he was supposed to be in, stood far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus let the room sit in that fact for a second as everybody went, yeah, that's right, he is a sinner. That's right, he is a Steve, that's right. And then Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus is recognizing the importance of living a life aware of one's own discord with his, of highlighting that the cross he would suffer had to happen because of you. And if you are coming to church without realizing the cross had to happen, but instead because you tithe twice a week and you've never spit your food up anywhere, then guess what? I don't know how justified your prayers are, according to Scripture. Not Danny. Don't you wish you could just email God and deal with him? This guides us to the final part of the discord theology rope. 
By recognizing that I, along with every person I have or ever will meet, lives in discord with God, I can better live with proper perspective around how I should treat those in discord with me. And so I can genuinely love and walk alongside others the same way God loves and walks alongside me. See, if you can embrace your discord with God, then you can embrace the cross of Christ. And if you can embrace the cross of Christ and how it affects you, then you can embrace the cross of Christ and how it affects everybody, which means it won't matter if we have plastic on the carpet or somebody in the back row, usually back far corner hiding because they walk into church where everybody else who knows their routine sits in their seats hoping nobody different than them shows up and takes a seat next to them. And it's hard. And it's difficult. But it is the only way I know to be the church God has called us to be. And I'm just going to be thoughtful and try to say this as clear as I can. I would rather have a church full of Steves in that scenario than a church full of me's. I think God can do more with Steve. And I think he wants to do more with us, especially those of us who've gotten really good at church. I'm not saying your heart is good, by the way, different. I'm saying you've gotten really good at church. Let me close my time with an illustration of what I think we need to do next in order for this to, uh, to continue to be part of Kess's story in a beautiful way. I want to invite out my friend Dominic. Uh, Dominic is one of the, the worship uh, leaders here at Kesed, and uh, he helped us out this morning. Can you just give Dominic a hand? I want you to imagine that Dominic is uh, your, your typical person that is living their life and, for sake of illustration, playing a beautiful song into the universe of, of who they want to be. The daddy wants to be, the husband he wants to be, the, the co-worker he wants to be, the, even, even the, um, you know, the fellow uh, human he wants to be. But along the way, things have happened in Dominic's life, like they've happened in your life, that, that caused that song to fall just a little out of tune. I don't hope you don't mind this is coming. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. No, just keep playing. Just try harder. Because this is what we tell people when they struggle. Just try harder. Just play it better. Yep, here you go. Oh, that's lovely. Yep, just play, just play, just play like you're playing. Let's, let's all listen to Dominic's life and the choices that he's made. <laughs> you're doing great. Just keep it up. This is often what a life sounds like in Discord. It it's not pleasing, it's not easy, and there's choices that are clearly heard from the outside. The problem is that that, that person, who by the way, we're all supposed to be remembering we are, will come into a community like this, full of harmony, full of, full of friendship, full of history, full of culture, and they will clearly sound like this to everyone else. All of us have found ourselves in this really awkward space. And there's only one way to fix it, and it's to stop playing. It's to sit in a service like this one and ask questions, not about your neighbor, but about yourself. 
It's to, if you will, tune. To read scripture, to talk with a friend, to go into prayer, to ask really ugly questions. Now, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but tuning doesn't sound a whole lot different. Mm. It doesn't sound a whole lot different than when you were living your life completely out of harmony. Our church right now is full of people who sound like this. And our church is also full of other people who forgot what they used to sound like, who are actually judging people sitting in the room doing all the things God has asked them to do in order to tune their life. And we hear the noise and we're like, Pastor Danny, I don't understand why you're allowing this. Can you not hear how out of sync this person's life is with everybody else who goes here? (laughs) And it's uncomfortable. Because you never know when you're going to sit next to somebody who just doesn't sound like you. But at Kesed, we continue to hold those spaces. We continue to, to just lean into the awkward. And at Kesed, a whole lot of people have gone from living a life in total discord with God to retuning that life to then being able to play before God a beautiful song with that life. I know what I'm saying sounds dangerous. I know that for some of you, you have lived a life well-tuned for many years. I'm just asking for you to back up a little bit from this place you found yourself to go stand by a Steve or a tax collector or a Danny or a Dominic to see the work that God is doing in the midst of his community to maybe listen to someone else's life to come along somebody who's tuning or somebody who's playing their heart out, but they just can't get the notes right. May they look into your eyes and them not be haughty. May they speak into your ears and may they not be unwilling to hear their story. May they reach for your hands and feel the hands of Jesus reaching back. And may we continue to be a church that recognizes that it is he and he alone that calls us to live our lives of praise. Last verse, Psalm 43 says, he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we take a few moments to, uh, to wrestle with you, to, to be challenged by you, to be convicted by you, I ask God that, that this message would not be what's heard today, but it would be the conviction in all of our hearts of the things we've forgotten, Lord, you helped us overcome, of the ways that you've blessed us, of the ways that you've met us, 
May we stand far off and gaze upon your presence, realizing, God, that only because of the sacrificial love of Christ can we worship you at all. And Lord, to all the Steves in the room, to all those who haven't felt welcome, who haven't felt the harmony of belonging to a community, God, may you just surround them with your presence, even if the person next to them won't. May you fill their life with your love and with your holding and with your healing and with your happening. God, may they sense the power of your church in just one single person this week. May it be one of us, God. Maybe it's somebody at work we're supposed to love or somebody in a cafe or somebody in a seat next to us at church. May you use our lives to remind others of the incredible way that you have loved us. We just spend this time with you now. In Jesus' name. Come now, fountain, every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never cease, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious song sung by Praise the mountain fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Let's all sing. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home jesus saw me when a stranger wandering from the fold of god he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood To grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. And let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the
Come thou found. One more time, all together. Come thou found of every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Teach. So teach me some melodious song sung by flaming tongues above. So praise the mountain fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. For whatever it is you've highlighted within our lives, we thank you for maybe someone you've highlighted in our lives. May you give us the words to say and the ability to hold space with them. May you continue to convict us, Lord. May you continue to replenish us and restore us and remind us of the powerful work of the cross and the harmony that because of it we get to live with you and if we choose with others. I thank you, God, for, for a space within this city that you can be the one who determines what sounds beautiful, not me. And I'm so excited, God, to be a part of however it is you want to build it. We lift the rest of today to you, the rest of this week, and all that you want to do with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church family. Thank you guys so much. God bless. I hope you have a great week.